What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer starting October 17th. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of reals always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, do you have Taylor Swift fatigue yet? No. Oh, that's great. And not in a in a podcast sense. I love talking about <laughs> the monoculture with my friends. How did you like the movie? Eh. How did you like it? I need to share my main thought. My, my, my well. For, Listen, for I didn't full- text you about it just because I knew that we were recording, and I was like, "We'll just do it all live." So let's go. Well, just for for Amanda's movie takes and film industry takes. Listen to the big picture. My main film note is that I thought it was really poorly edited and that Mm -hmm. she should have hired better cinematographers and, like, people who knew what they were doing because halfway through, I just got so distracted by seeing the different performances cut together based on how sweaty her bangs were and how much her hair— the hair continuity was a real issue, and it's, it's a really big problem. It's like not totally her fault, but no, they, not you at know. all. But you but, could account for that in right. making the film because you have to assume like she likes certain shots better, she like this part of this better. I mean, so basically, I assume that you've seen the movie if you're listening to this. But she starts off with really straight hair and like is totally flat ironed, and then the SoFi Stadium's outside. So over the course of her three-hour performance, she gets sweaty and on the level of humidity differed night to night and therefore right. her and hair so looked different night it's, to night. It's, Julia, it's so funny because I did this verbatim on Big Picture like five <laughs> minutes. You know, like literally I walked from one suit to the other and I just spent a long time being like, so here's what happened with the hair, you know, and that's how it's, yes, but it was so noticeable. Yeah, and I also have really similar hair. Well, which is that like, if I blow dry, if I flat iron it straight, it, you'll just like think I have straight hair. But, any touch of humidity and like yeah. it starts to like 
grow and frizz. And I just really related. I would never have bangs because I have similar hair to Taylor Swift. So I don't know how she does it every day. But <laughs> it was so fucking distracting in the movie. Because like, the- like within, within the midnight set and every song, you could see that they were like, shot for shot was cut together between different performances. Yes. It was so frustrating. Yeah. Here's what I will say. The hair did not last through the performance. Taylor Swift lasted through every single performance. That was what was amazing about it. I re- I have to hand it to her just from like pure stamina. It was like your oh hair is like wilting and giving away the fact that this has been, it's been a very long night in, at you know, humid conditions. But she was just on for every single thing. It's really amazing. I was also like, well, the hair's annoying, but everything else about her performance is so flawless. Like, she yeah. hits all of her marks so perfectly that were it not for weather, you would never know that it was edited that way. Which, I, I just, credit to her. It's really amazing. I agree about the cinematography and the editing. And, you know, I just, I don't, I, I didn't get to go to the Eras tour, so I was excited that this record of it exists. And that's yeah, what sure. it is. By the way, it's not a film. It's just like a document of a concert that happened. But I don't think I would have gone to the Eras tour to focus on Taylor Swift's choreography for three hours in HD. And that well, is the un- unfortunate result of filming, yeah. is yeah. that the emphasis is on the visual staged aspects. And she's listen, she's got to fill a stadium and... She's got to do something. And she has her theatrical inclinations, but it was either, like, choreography that is, it is not her greatest skill, and or weird theater productions and people wearing capes and, like, dancing around with orbs. And, like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, the best parts were when when she had a guitar in her hands. I I mean, 1,000% agree. The most triumphant 10 minutes was all too well, which which was amazing. No, it wasn't. I loved it. Why don't you like it? I hate the new version. I was so angry. I saw it with my big picture co-host, Sean Fennessy, (laughs) only because Juliet lives in New York and not Los Angeles, and I couldn't see it with her. I went with my mom, my aunt. They loved it. That's really fun. And I just kept whispering, like, this is not canon during, like, the whole... I absolutely cannot stand the 10-minute version of All Too Well, which I think absolutely ruins a Stone Cold classic. The original version means so much to me. I believe in the power of that song. I believe in the power of editing. I believe in knowing when to stop <laughs> singing. I just, I so I was just like really upset because instead of getting my perfect all too well, which I did see her perform during the Reds tour, which I, during Red, the Red tour. I always say Reds, like Warren Beatty did a tour. Or cigarettes. I saw it twice and that it was very powerful. But I, listen, I like what I like and I I didn't like, I, I, I would have preferred the original version. I prefer the 10-minute version because it is not my favorite song. So I think as a testimony to Taylor Swift, the peak, peak Taylor Swift, to be able to be the most popular person in pop culture, nothing says it better than 10-minute All Too Well, which is a re-release of a song that was never a single. And we talked about it at the time. Like, she has made so much hay out of the re-release of this song that is, like, by Amanda's definition, worse. And yet, it has become, like, the signature for her, and it's such an incredible encapsulation of what she's done over, like, the last, like, seven years, basically. Uh, she she reset her career after Reputation and just, like, for a whole new generation. It is pretty amazing. I spent a lot of time on Taylor Swift Reddit this weekend mm. just trying to see what people are feeling about the, the 
the movie, the tour. You know, I was like trying to backfill some gaps that I realized I had after seeing the movie. And it, it is really astonishing. Like the new generation only cares about the re-records and the new mm-hmm. albums. Like talk, caring about Red at all is like for old lame people. It's too bad because it's a great album. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. But you're right. It's a total accomplishment. And I was there, to quote Taylor Swift, for the original. It was rare. You were there. Yeah, it was rare. And I was there. And I don't like the 10-minute version. It was also really Fair long. Enough. Which is another note about the movie. It's really long. It's really long. Oh, my God. So I was. Th- were you seated next to teens by any chance? There were many, like, 10-year-olds in the theater. Okay. I wasn't seated next to them. But they were so cute. I'm not talking about 10-year-olds. I was next to two teens. Okay. And two girls. And then they had a boy with them who's like their friend. He did not have a ticket. And I was in one of those really comfortable chairs where it's like they've the theater has sacrificed revenue for a deluxe experience, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And I shout out to the theater because this kid didn't have a ticket, but they didn't kick him out. And the teen, the two girls were like, just sit in front of us. So he was sitting on the ground in front of them for the whole movie. <laughs> And he was on his phone, like, the whole time. So I was like, okay, so this is really simulating going to the concert for me. I debated for a long time. They were talking a lot. And I don't mind singing along, obviously. It's a concert Mm -hmm. movie. But they were just, like, talking a lot and, like, passing their phones around. And at one point, I did ask them to not talk. And I felt so horrible and old. But they didn't listen. They were like, oh, yeah, sorry, no problem. And then, like, 20 minutes later, they just were talking again. So for, like, you know, most of the movie, they were talking but I was just like, you know what? This is for them. And I, yeah. I need to be okay with that. So yeah. I just was like, fine, whatever. And yeah, it was just really funny. I was like, God, teens are nightmares. And also at one point, the boy was watching like a show on his phone, sitting in front of them in the movie theater. <laughs> like he wasn't even watching the movie. I mean, that, <laughs> that seems like a waste of time. We had a lot of, I would put them at 10 to 12 year olds and they were so cute and so excited. And they finally did go to the front of the theater and start dancing. And I really enjoyed all of that. It did also create um, like a freer movie environment than I am usually used to. So I did talk with Sean a lot. I provided sort of like a running commentary of what Sean needed to know about all of this stuff, which I, that was fun for me to get to be a know-it-all. There were also a lot of, I would say, 20-something women all noticeably wearing Eras Tour merch. So I think they were like reliving the experience. And they, I think everyone was like on their phones, but you know, whatever, I guess. And then they were mostly just standing up and singing at mm. important moments. Interesting. So that was notable. That sounds lovely. I I have to say like my takeaway in some ways because of the way the film was made, the movie, this is really a comment on the movie, not Taylor Swift. The movie was so clumsy that I felt I understood the power of Taylor Swift less than before I saw it because it exposed, like, her her shortcomings as, like, a show woman because her choreography and her clumsiness was was so up close. And and I I would agree with that. And I would also say that, like, for all of the funny stories we were just telling of, you know, our theaters and sort of the the more rambunctious than usual movie theater Mm -hmm. vibe, the movie did not recreate what, to me from afar seemed like the like this the signature of the Eras tour which was like a bunch of people being so excited to be there and making yeah. the friendship bracelets and having their outfits and going with your friends and it being like a communal event and a thing that you're 
you know, like a party that you went to as much as it was like a thing that you sat down and consumed. Yeah. And and that that gets lost. Yeah. I, but then I will say on the flip side, like, on the, like I was reading the coverage last night about how she didn't hit $100 million in box office in the U.S. She hit 97. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so stupid. And also it's not the same as like another film. And I, I don't know that she necessarily wants this, but I don't think she doesn't want it. But, Taylor Swift has just become like so political to me where I'm just like, I fe- I have ascribed so much more meaning to her power that I'm just like happy she has it. I'm also like, think that she's evolved in a way where I feel like, okay, she can handle it. Like, you know, it's not the same as the person who's in the Miss Americana film. And like, she's evolved since then. You see her evolving in that Netflix doc too. And I just am like so glad that the person at the center of culture right now is a woman that I'm just sort of like, I accept. That's cool. Let's go. Yeah. The, the the box office tracking stuff is like just like made up. Like ignore it, you know? Um it was it was well, very successful. It's the most and it, I, I and I, I understand say, even like the coverage of it is irritating. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I actually think it's like important to not ignore it because it's like just another sense of patriarchy of being like Taylor Swift didn't succeed. Right. But it's also it's set like the October box office record right. and it's like incredibly successful. And, you know, the, we talked about this on the big picture as well. It's after Barbie, just another movie specific example. But I think but just large example of just like, you know, make things for women and they have money yeah. and they and they will show up, whether it's yeah. the actual tour or whether it's a movie or anything else. I'm not optimistic that at any large corporation <laughs> will learn that lesson. But yeah, it's it is it is true. There it is an audience that is underserved. Totally. I felt similarly about her photo op with Beyonce, where I was just like, this is so transparent, like what they're doing, but I'm also like, great, let's not have this debate or like put them against each other and like I'll gladly go see Renaissance when it comes out as well. And I was just I'm so excited for Renaissance because everything that you said about cinematography and editing and and also, you know, frankly, just dancing, just straight dancing. Dancing. Beyonce (laughs) is a visual, more visual artist in every sense of the word. And she has made more films. And I think like that she is more like the the cinematography will be considered, you know? Yes. It'll be also I didn't get to I didn't get to go to that show. So I'm just like very excited. Me too. And I was just so glad that they had headed off the, like, comparison. Even if it was, like, totally insincere. The, the I think it was completely insincere and mutually financially beneficial. And I... And I'm great with that. it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you something else about Taylor Swift. And now I don't remember what it is. She didn't do any press this weekend except for her appearance at The Grove. And then... Her two date nights with Travis Kelsey. Didn't she do any press this weekend? She did the premiere at the Grove, and then she flew to Kansas City, and then they flew back to New York, and she she was on Saturday Night Live. And she and Travis Kelsey went to Nobu, and they went to the SNL after party, and they went to the Waverland. So Nobu downtown is right near the Spotify office. It is not a paparazzi spot. It is like a great restaurant that I really like. (laughs) <laughs> it is not a paparazzi spot. And also, similarly, Waverly Inn has not been a paparazzi spot in like 10 years. So, yes, she did press by appearing at two restaurants and calling the paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> and choosing some fashion looks that are just... You know what? She's staying true to herself. So I saw someone pause it, I think on Glamour, 
that she and Travis Kelsey are wearing coordinated folklore outfits. And I think oh. I believe it. Okay. I didn't realize how far-reaching folklore was as an album. You know, one of one of my personal frustrations with the movie and with the Eras tour, which is, this is on me, not on Taylor or anyone else, is that it focuses on the four most recent albums, obviously, because she hasn't gotten to tour those, and that's how, like, music and tours and marketing works. But it was interesting to realize how many people in my own life are all like, oh, yeah, folklore. That's, like, that's the one. That's really important. And... Then I re-listened to it and I was like, oh, I guess I did listen to this a lot. And it had been like complete, I guess I just tried to block all COVID from my mm-hmm. from my brain. But folklore, it's a thing. I think my two favorite Taylor Swift songs are from folklore. Which are they? Peace and Invisible okay. String. I was listening to folklore this morning with my son, who was also a fan, just, you know, anecdote. <laughs> and Invisible String was playing and the line about now I send their babies present played and it's just when she has it she has it when she has it she really and it like jumped out at me as I was like you know playing trucks or whatever and I was like this is powerful stuff peace is really sad it's like basically what if I can never give you peace yeah I'm curious about her feelings about folklore since in the film she's very proud of it I think I think she is like the most proud of it of all of her albums but it's also the most explicitly about Joe Alwyn other than the song London Boy on Lover. So I just wonder if that matters to her, like in her memory of it now that she's no longer dating him. Plus he has some song credits on it under right. a pen name. Well, I noticed that she did not play the the Bon Iver song because he has a credit on it. That's one of my favorite songs on that album. I know, anyway. it's a bummer. I thought of you when she uh, was like in her cabin and was like lying on the fake moss. And yeah. I was thinking about how much she must have hated it. <laughs> Well, Evermore came earlier, and that was the orbs and the robes, and I and I like I have no time for Evermore. In fact, I don't think I've listened to it in full. It's just not for me. So at that point, I had been sort of worn down, and it was like it. It was funny. I she was going for like architecturally significant cabin, you know? Yeah. So I appreciated that touch, and then it was the like piano. a half a frame. Yeah. And then the piano had a lot of moss, and I spent some time just looking at that moss. So it was a—was the moss piano also—maybe the moss piano was Evermore. It was. And that was Champagne Problems. uh Uh-huh. I didn't realize Champagne Problems was such a thing. (laughs) Amanda, I think you might have been out of touch with Taylor Swift for the last few years. At least her music. Like I said, I turned off Evermore and then I turned it back on sort of for Midnights. And I listen, I know what I know. I just, I'm sharing my experience. And I spent a lot of time being like, this is sort of a silly song. And that piano has a lot of moss on it. That was my I take. do not like Midnights. So I was dismayed that that was what she ended on. But I guess, you know, That's, I got to go with recency, as you said. Yeah. Her and Travis Kelsey, I honestly, I was surprised by this weekend. I was really surprised that they they pulled it together, but I should have really been paying more well, attention to the, the Kelsey the family schedule. worked, right? He had a Thursday yeah. night game. So... And a Sunday night brother game. Right. I So on on Big Picture, we did the, the comparison of the schedules. So she starts in November in Argentina, and I think she does Argentina and Brazil, and then nothing in December or January. Okay, great. And then February... She's in Tokyo, but the last Tokyo show is February 10th. 
Oh, so you can make it back to the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is February 11th, an international dateline. It's possible. That's great. (laughs) So maybe I was premature in calling the end of Travis and Taylor this weekend. Maybe there is more opportunity. I wish them the best. Page Six told me that they're in love and in their own world. So that's interesting. Well, that's great. You can be when you have private jets and access to fine real estate all over the world. I liked his green jumpsuit that he wore to the Eagles game, by the way. He looked great. Did they go to the Eagles game? He went. She didn't go. He went. He Okay. I uh, really liked her backup singers, and I thought they were really great. Uh, I also, I, I then was wondering how long she's worked with all of the people on stage, and I can't speak for all the dancers, but she's been with her band and her quartet of women who, who back her up a really long time, which also makes me like her more because they must like working with her. So that's nice. I think the dancers were a a topic of some concern in Bad Blood, if you'll recall. So, because Katy Perry stole all her dancers or something. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah, so I think that that's a more fluid situation. Overall, good good stuff. I do do personally have Taylor Swift fatigue. Like, just, I can't believe how much we've talked about her on Jam Session. But... There's not a ton of other stuff going on. I was combing the internet this morning, and we're going to talk about Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith in a second. But other it's, than that, it, it, it she has brought back the monoculture, especially like bringing in the NFL, bringing yeah. in movie theaters. It is just sort of everywhere, which I give her. I give her a lot of credit for it. That it's hard to do. Did you take a poster, like a little movie poster? I did, but then I left it in the theater because it. I I was squirmy and I wrinkled it, you know? Sad. I put mine on my, my fridge. To always oh, remember that's this nice. time. Okay. We didn't mention one other Taylor Swift tidbit that has come out, but apparently Bradley Cooper and Gigi Hadid are using Taylor Swift's house from Last Great American Dynasty, which is not a salt box house, in Rhode Island as like their secret meeting place, though they both live in New York. Do you believe this? Number one. She has been lending out real estate and she let Sophie That's Turner true. live in one of the homes in New York while they resolved their mediation. And we should note that that seems to have been amicably resolved. Yes, it has. So I'm glad to hear it. That I am glad to hear it as well. And I think it's nice to give people a place to stay if you have the means, you know? Here, here's what I will but say. But do you believe I, it? Do you believe it? I, you know, Maestro comes out uh, November something on net in theaters in December in on Netflix, and I enjoyed the film. So that's that's my answer to that question. I don't believe it. I just okay. don't believe that they're they're going to Watch Hill, Rhode Island, to meet up. I just don't. I'm it's sorry. Not maybe that they, far. Maybe, it's like three and a half hours, three hours. Maybe Gigi they lives had, in Delaware a lot of the time, or Pennsylvania. He, he lives in Philly with his mom. Oh, she? Are you saying her at the farm? He, yeah. Yeah, that's in Pennsylvania. That's even further. Okay. I just don't believe it. It's like, it's ludicrous. Maybe they went once for the weekend or something. Maybe they went for Columbus Day weekend. Here's the thing. If any of my friends, or really anyone listening, who has a expanded real estate portfolio wants to lend me a home in Watch Hill or anywhere else for a weekend for a series of escapes... That sounds lovely, you know? So I want maybe I believe this just in order to su- to put it out in the world that this is a thing that we should be doing is sharing our vacation home wealth with other people like me. I stopped by the beach in front of Taylor Swift's Rhode yeah. Island home 2 weeks ago. She's built a hideous rock wall. Just absolutely hideous. 
Let's get some of that moss from the show and put it on top of those rocks so it looks less bad. Okay. It is not a private place. I know, I know. You've like, you sent me a lot of angles. <laughs> I know, but we're talking to the audience, Amanda. That's true. <laughs> and there's also like a really big resort right next to it. I don't know. It's, it's a perplexing purchase. I'm sure she doesn't actually leave the house when she's there, but it's not I've like, heard that's a nice resort. It's, it's fine. I don't know. I'm not okay. that into it. It's It looks like her house, but much bigger. Okay. I don't know. It, it's just, a, I think, a really weird choice. It's I could go private. for a beach vacation right now, so. But not in Rhode you know. Island. You wouldn't be able to go swimming. That's true, but I could have seafood, fried seafood, and I do like yep. that. And some of the beach opportunities in uh, California don't really offer the fried seafood that I'm looking for. All right. Well, maybe she'll lend you her house. Okay. Do you have any further Taylor Swift thoughts? She starts November is the international tour. Do you think that she will be less present in our lives since she is not in the U.S.? Or do you think that this can be a truly international affair? I don't know. Okay. I hope she's less present. I need a break. But I have no idea. I mean, she's so good at staying in the spotlight. Yeah. Definitely make her make her dinner paparazzi opportunities less. Yeah. And I think also if she's smart, she's she's got to cool it or else the backlash, you know, another backlash is coming, right? And this is like her cycle and maybe she's like emotionally and financially planned, you know, for it this time. And it's all part of the grand plan. But I agree, it's been a lot. We all need some time. When do you think we'll get the Broadway musical, the Taylor oh Swift, Swift jukebox musical? I don't know. Will she star in it? Five years, 10 years? It seems Her- sooner if it's going to happen, right? Like, everyone will be like, know. now the Eras Tour coming to Broadway. Don't you think that I- they could just do that? Sure. Or they could do like a Carol King type of thing where Beautiful yeah. became a musical. I don't know. It's so many possibilities for her. Well, congratulations to her. Seriously. Great stuff. Can't wait for the Renaissance film now. That will be a film, not just a movie. Yeah, I'm okay. I, I agree with you, and I'm also looking forward to it. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Next, shall we discuss Jada Pinkett Smith's book tour? I guess. This was this was the rare my husband, like, out of nowhere to me, was like, hey, have you talked about Jada Pinkett Smith on Jam Session yet? And I would say that he requests a topic once a year. But he is like, I just like, what's going on? And I said to him, we'll be doing it on Monday. And also, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I well, do. In the most basic sense. Yes. Yeah. So so she has a, a memoir coming out called Worthy. It has a lot of revelations. Probably the two biggest ones are that at the time of the slap at the Oscars, she and Will Smith had not been living as husband and wife for, for several years. And the second was, the second is more about like her relationship with Tupac, which is less of a single moment, just that it was like a deep friendship and once they kissed. So like those are the two main things that have made it into the press. However, my question for you, Amanda, is what should a celebrity do to promote their memoir? Because at this point, I feel I know so much about what's inside of Worthy that I don't have any interest in reading it. But I don't know what else Jada Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith could have done. To sell it, you mean? That she had yeah, to just, do something. Like what she should be doing on this press press tour. Yeah. I don't, it's interesting, right? Because why is she writing the book? To, because there's a financial incentive to do so after this after the slap especially and I, and I don't say that like in a judgmental way I if there's an opportunity to make money make money like that's great with me so I guess the question is is the financial incentive from selling books or from getting as much publicity as possible to open up all the other avenues of making money. Because right. the reality is, is like you don't make that much money from actually selling books. Right. Unless it, yeah. I mean, for her, she probably higher, higher floor since I'm sure there'll be international rights right away. But yeah, it's not like, not like a huge money maker. Did you read the New York Times profile or that was in the magazine that went to go along with this? I didn't. She basically says in that, but I don't know if this is also in the memoir, but I also learned a ton from the New York Times article where she basically has, she refers to herself as having become a nun. And it sounds like it's kind of true. She basically, I'm going to read the quote to you, but she's like given up all of this stuff. She says shortly after that 220 episode, the 2020 episode, which is referring to her quote entanglement with August Alsina. The article says, in pursuit of clarity and emotional sobriety, she became what she calls a, quote, urban nun of sorts. She meditates and reads texts like the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, or the Bible daily, and abstains from sex, alcohol, violent entertainment, and unnecessary spending. So, like, she's gone on, like, a life overhaul, it sounds like, and sounds like perhaps she's in a um, a period of if she, searching that maybe has led to the memoir. I, I just think that there's, like, a lot of stuff going on with Jada Pinkett Smith, and also in that Times piece, they're basically like, she basically says that she and Will Smith are family, but they and they can't quit each other. She almost exactly says you just can't quit each other. 
And it's just like a lot of information that is kind of confusing and also like flooding flooding the block. Yeah. So the the thing that she says about like we're family and we can't quit each other does make sense to me and I think that there is probably there is a, there's a lot of language here being put to what is like an unusual but probably not as unusual like late marriage arrange you know arrangement than like that than it sounds if you take the slap out of it which we'll come back to and you take red table talk and you take the fact that there are two like giant celebrities out of it and also that they can afford to live separately but i mean i don't know marriages have like many different phases and I think that there are probably a lot of people who have been together for 30 years where their marriage like and their lives look very different than they did when they started so I'm like that part whatever you want you know but then this putting the slap aside why did you feel the need to do a red table talk after you'd been separated for four years about how a quote-unquote entanglement affected your marriage if your marriage didn't exist. There's a level of... In the, t- in the time, she answers that. Okay. And she, she, basically, she basically says that Will Smith asked for it. Like, she sort of puts a lot of this on him. She also has, in the, the course of this, put the slap on Will Smith in a way by basically okay. saying that Chris Rock asked her out many years ago when he first found out that they were, like, no longer together and that Will Smith has harbored an issue since that and then really even before that, like, they've just sort of always had issues. And she says in the Times that, like, she knew that was what was going on. She just, like, decided to show up for Will Smith. But she basically puts almost, like, all of the drama of the last four years on on Will Smith and makes it seem like she was, like, dutiful life partner, like, supporting him in the public eye. And so... It's kind to your question about motive. I think a lot of it is like getting back at Will Smith. It's kind of weird. That is very strange. And it is really, really weird being as famous as they are. Like that is, it's just, and I think you're the way that you process anything changes when you have been as exposed and surrounded by as many people who want something for you from you for as long as they both have, but then just your definition of what needs to be public and what needs to be private and what needs to be performed and what just kind of is, is, is different than, than many other people's. And this one is quite, just, it's confusing, you know? The other thing that's, like, pretty interesting to me is that Will Smith sent an email to the Times, like, to, mm-hmm. to comment when they, I'm sure they went out to him after the interviews. And he basically, like, talks about his own emotional state I think that, you know, I think they're still sort of, like, acting in concert together, and they've sort of decided that, like, part of the press tour together is that he is, like, further apologetic. It's it's pretty interesting. It's, like, she is through exposing her side of things, also giving him, like, more opportunities to apologize and, like, explain what happened. And she's still, like, the interview she did with the Times, like, was at Westbrook, which is their production company. And... It's very, it's very complicated. They are t- a, a singular duo. I, it is just a lot, you know? <laughs> it's just, that's kind of where I am. And I really, 
enjoyed or, well, I you and I found that Red Table Talk to be just like an absolutely unforgettable example of celebrity performance. I mean, I'll never forget it. And I don't think any of us will forget Will Smith's face. So I'm grateful for that. Everything else has been pretty complicated and taken up a lot more space than maybe we all wanted to give it. But I, I like them both. You know, I, I, I'm rooting for them. And I don't mean that in the me and jam session way. I would like <laughs> them to find happiness. I'd like Will Smith to like keep making movies. I mean, I just, well, 90s Will Smith is like very important to me. So is Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't think we'll ever get back there, you know, no, but that's definitely not. That's okay. I'd, I think that it's good to not watch too much violent entertainment. So I'm good with Jada Pinkett Smith <laughs> on that, you know? <laughs> Sounds like she's punishing herself. I hope she's okay. I do too. I hope that they're both okay. It seems like they're both punishing themselves while also seeking out the spotlight and further adulation. So that's a pretty complicated dance. Yeah. I hope their kids are okay. Calling calling yourself a a nun of sorts is pretty wild when you're Jada Pinkett Smith in particular. It's just like, you know, let let a lavish lifestyle. But maybe that's where you have have to go. I I really don't know, Juliet. (laughs) I just don't know. Well, I, I can't, I will say, I could see myself in several months getting the worthy audiobook from the library for a car ride and, and giving it a listen for a few hours. So at least oh, there's wow. that. I assume that she reads it herself. I hope so. I would only listen if she reads it herself. I'm just assuming that she does. That is one, there are a few truly, inarguably great things that are new you know, in, in like 2022 that we can just be like, wow, I'm glad to be alive. But celebrities reading their own memoirs is one of them. It's, it's the really, what an innovation. It's a revelation. I've had, I finally listened to I'm Glad My Mom Died, the Jeanette McCurdy yeah. memoir, and I had like a great time. I was just like, this is okay. a great way to pass time in the car. Okay. And from the library. It was free. I loved it. That, that is really amazing. When the, the, but you have to wait a long time for those audiobooks. Like I've been waiting for Meryl Streep reading Heartburn for like... <laughs> five years, you know, and I forget and then I fall out of line and then I got to get back in line. It's tough. Okay, it'll happen for you one day. Okay, thank you. I have hope. Thank you to our producer, Jade Whaley, for producing this episode and we'll be back next week. Honestly, probably still talking about Taylor Swift. 